Welcome to episode 48 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, <laughs> if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40 percent lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein, so I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to 
toneprotein.com. Sign up with your name and email and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 48 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And how are you today, Jen? I am great, except that Oh, the difference a week makes. A week ago, I was wearing shorts. You know, we were having an unseasonably warm day, and now I've got my Uggs back on because it's chilly. Boo. How cold is it? (laughs) It's not that cold. (laughs) 
What what is, what is not? That I mean, cold? it's like low sixties. My feet were cold though, so <laughs> it might actually be colder here then. Maybe today fifty nine is the high, and the low is forty five. Let's see what we are right here. Right this minute, it is sixty six. Okay, so it's not that. Oh wow, Los Angeles wins. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it's going to be – It's I've had my shoes off all day, but then my feet were cold, so I put on my, my Uggs because they're so so cozy. But, yeah, we're going to have back into the 30s at night coming this week. So I might have to wear real shoes to work. I was <laughs> pretty much loving the flip-flops, but that's Georgia in the spring. It's not even technically spring yet, of course, but, you know, the weather changes. <laughs> How are things going with you? They're good. Um, I just finished reading a book I really liked. It's called The Toxin Solution by Joseph uh, Pizor. Let's see. Pizorno, maybe? Have you heard of it? I have not. I really liked it. I haven't said this on the podcast yet, but ever since moving to my new apartment, I've been dealing with, I, I mean, I guess it's like toxin overload. Just I'm very sensitive, as people know. So I think all the... Um, slew of chemicals and perfumes and something in the apartment is really getting to me. So I've been doing a lot of research and I really liked this book. He goes into all of the different sources of environmental toxins. I actually learned, did you know that minute toxin exposure to like a lot of little things is worse than like one exposure, one moderate exposure to one toxin? Does that make sense? I, I get it. I um one of my sons had sensitivities to chemicals when he was little. It was really pronounced, and I did a lot of reading about that at the time. And the um the best analogy I saw for that was something called the bucket effect. Like you have a certain bucket limit of how much your body can tolerate, whatever that is. You may have a smaller bucket. Some people have a bigger bucket, but you're fine until your bucket is full. And then the minute your bucket is full, it just all overflows and you start having the symptoms. So, yeah, that's a good, good analogy. And I think, yeah, so I think, I think that has happened to me because we are on the struggle bus. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to be moving, which is nice. But I did learn, I learned a lot in that book. And he actually made a lot of recommendations that I'd been experimenting with, like dandelion root. I've been having that. Have you had that before? I have not. So that's good for stimulating bile and helping the liver. And then he got me back on like curcumin from turmeric. I know that's really good. And so I just, I learned a lot. Well, that's good. I've been having insomnia too from it all. I have an insomnia hack that is like actually really working. Oh, well, I can't wait to hear it. What is that? You pick a word, like any word hopefully with um, not repeating letters. And then you go through each letter in the word and you visualize three things that start with that letter and you fall asleep. Oh, well, we'll have to try that. Because apparently it, it mimics the brain activity that your brain goes through right before you go asleep where you're just, I don't know what type of brain activity, but I guess it's just like processing mundane, random things. And so it mimics that. Okay. So you'll be like strawberry and then you'll like picture like a sailboat and a, and a, I can't think of a word that starts with S <laughs> and a snowman. Socks. 
and then socks, and then you do tea. It's really cool. Okay. Well, I'll have to try to remember that if I have trouble sleeping. Yes. <laughs> All right. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. Let's get started. And we're going to start off with some feedback instead of questions because we have been getting some great listener feedback. And the first is from Manak. And the subject is a note of thanks from India. And he says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I am from Mumbai, India. I am a 38-year-old married father of a five-year-old boy. I am on one meal a day for the last year and a half, and I have lost around 50 pounds, was 200 pounds, and now am 154. I am five feet, eight inches tall, and generally do low-volume, heavy compound training, deadlifts, pull-ups, and kettlebells. I just wanted to say thank you for burning the light of knowledge, which I think should be free for all. I wish and hope you can get the message of fasting to the masses. I sincerely believe that through one meal a day, the zeal and appreciation of life increases manifold. I would like to let you know that my drives back home from work, despite the bumper-to-bumper traffic, are now something I look forward to every day of the work week. I just have a thought. We need to find a way for people to embrace the so-called, quote, pain or fear of initiation into this way of life, the flu, nausea, mood swings, etc. No one felt any real happiness by embracing comfort. Thank you once again, and keep the light shining. All right. Well, thank you so much. Is it, you think it's, how did you say his name? Manak. Manak. (laughs) Thank you so much for your email. I don't like thinking about pain and fear, but it is true that you can see perhaps any negative symptoms as steps to a better way of life. Yeah, I think it is something that that keeps a lot of people from trying it, the fear that they're not going to be able to handle it. Um, and and it is, it is, you know, there's that adjustment period that people do have to go through as your body is making the transition, but it is just so much better on the other side. <laughs> That's the part that if people understood, yeah, you might have a couple of rough days or a rough week or or whatever, but then it becomes better than normal and you don't realize how much, how much better till you get there. I don't want to say it's not that bad, but like you can do it. It's not terrible. It is. It is. And then you realize that you know, hunger is not an emergency and, you know, you may have a headache, but take a little something for the headache, get through it, and then um, just be amazed at how your body adapts. Yes. Although Melanie would say don't take Advil for the headache. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Take a nap. (laughs) All righty. Shall we move on to our next email? Yes. So this email comes from Tino, and it's actually, we were actually tweeting on Twitter, and he tweeted me something about his IF journey, and I told him to send it to me in an email, and so this is what we got. And so Tino says, Hi, Melanie. I've been thinking about writing into the IF podcast with a question, and I felt like sharing my diabetes experience. I started listening to you and Jen sometime around July. In June, I started researching the ketogenic diet. I found a video with Dr. Jason Fung talking about IF. What he was talking about made sense. It was like my brain said, that's what I've been trying to tell you, dummy. 
So on the 4th of July, 2017, after a day of barbecue, drinking, and a trip to Del Taco to quiet down the alcohol, I went four days without eating, and right away felt 101% better. All kinds of energy, a little too much. I have a bad back from my time in the Army and have been out of work for 10 years now. Up until now, I was IF and during my eating window did keto. It wasn't hard for me to eat once a day, and sometimes I forget to eat and go 24 or 48 hours without eating. I went from 265 pounds to now 220 pounds with just diet. The first half of last year, I had gone from pre-diabetic to diabetic, which is why I was looking at keto. In February, I had blood drawn. I went for the results, and the doctor says, Your HbA1c is 6.3%, which makes you diabetic. You need to continue taking metformin. At this point, I zoned out. I was just thinking, what happened? All this research I've been doing is wrong? I thought at least I would have dropped half a percent or something. What did I mess up? I felt defeated, demoralized. I have bouts with depression, but IF and keto have helped immensely with that. I'm full of positive energy, and it was sucked out of me in a matter of minutes. She mentioned my cholesterol being high and wanted to get me on medication for it. I just said okay, asked for my last two lab results, and walked out of the clinic. In my car, I looked at the results. The HbA1c was actually 5.5%. The doctor had looked at the results of a previous test from August 2017. All my results, including triglycerides and cholesterols, had improved, but I was treated like I hadn't done anything and was just a sick patient. Luckily, I know what to look for thanks to listening to you too, Dr. Jason Fung, Two Keto Dudes, among others, from from hundreds of hours of YouTube videos, audiobooks, and podcasts. Anyone else would have just nodded and continued thinking they were sick. Not cool. But I'm glad to be able to say I'm reversing diabetes with six months of practicing what I've been working hard to learn. So yeah, that's just a, I don't know, that's a crazy story from Tino, and it's very telling, and I, I just love it because it really, really just makes you realize how much we have to take our health into our own hands and take our own responsibility. And I applaud you, Tino, for your life changes and for just everything. It's just, it's a really great story. Do you have any thoughts, Jen? It really is. It's so exciting. I mean, of course, so many of us get into this for weight loss only. And, um, Really, it's so much more than just about our weight. It's about health and taking back our health. And so the fact that he has gone from pre-diabetic to diabetic to now within normal limits is just incredible. So um, it's just, it's it's amazing to be able to take back your health yourself by doing the research. And and I, I wonder if he went back in and told the doctor ever, or if he's going to ever tell the doctor, hey, guess what? You read the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, he sent me a follow-up email, um, and it was already a little bit long, so I didn't put it in, but he said that the doctor actually called him, and she said the same thing. She still was looking at the wrong results, and he, and he had to just basically tell her, no, you're wrong, and, and I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> well, would she not look at the uh, – did she not recognize her mistake and – no, she didn't oh. recognize. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's interesting. I'd be like, oops. 
you know, because we can all make mistakes, right? Even doctors can. But you would think that when you pointed out to them they were reading the wrong results that they would. Oh, well, I, I guess she realized then. But I think I think he was just frustrated with the, the whole the situation and the system. And yes, I, I know I'm. I always am obsessed when I get back my blood test results and everything. So I would be like Tino and I would see. Yeah. I would see that there was something, something off. Well, that, that, that's a great story or a, or a terrible story, depending on how you want to look at it. Right. Great. Great for Tino. But I guess it also just goes to illustrate that you do have to take control of your own health and understanding what the test results mean um, is part of the process. That was what I really, really took away from that. Right. Instead of just taking someone's word for it, say, no, that's actually not what this test says because I understand it. So we, we have to be educated. And I know that our listeners are because they're listening to a podcast about intermittent fasting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been getting into it recently because you can do your own like blood test draws through like any lab test now or any or things like that and it actually can be cheaper than going through insurance if you look at I mean it really depends but if you look at like the overall how many tests you think you'll be taking and the different plans so I've been doing actually my own I've been ordering my own tests for lots of different markers and you can really learn a lot and I really encourage listeners to yeah, take things into their own hands. I mean, you can still have insurance, but um, to 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 learn how to read those those tests and those results and really learn what they mean. Yeah, and and you know, of course, that's not a substitute for having a, a good doctor that you trust, but it it's it's helpful so that you don't fall into the trap of a doctor who, like this one, was misinterpreting the results. So you're you're educated. So stay educated and also find a great doctor. <laughs> exactly. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. 
Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalonsCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. All right, shall we move on? (laughs) Yes. All right, this is from Kelly. And Kelly says, first, love you gals and all the work you do. I just listened to this podcast while doing some housework and wanted to add an idea for the first problem for Liz with the sensitivity to light. I would recommend examining the length of her fast with her workouts and anything else going on in her life that is acutely or chronically stressful. Light sensitivity can be a sign of adrenal stress. Perhaps have Liz adjust her fast to 15 hours and ramp back up slowly and adjust how much she eats. So, Kelly, thank you for that suggestion, and I hope that Liz is listening, that she may want to work on taking down some of her stress and seeing if that makes a difference with her light sensitivity. Do you have any thoughts, Melanie? It's hard because there are so many potential causes for anything that we're experiencing that it can be really hard to find the root cause of anything. But um, that's a good, very good suggestion to look into. Lowering stress always helps. Yeah, it's never going to be a bad, a bad choice. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, our next email comes from Karen. The subject is plateaus and movement. And Karen says, I'm so glad you've touched on this before. I bet most of your listeners attempt to take on some increase in physical activity if they're trying to lose weight. So here's my anecdotal. I do IF between 16 to 18 hours a day, almost all in since December. Recently, I have started doing my three-mile runs, which I had slacked on after being a serious multi-mile runner, and I'm just getting back to three miles, and barely that. So, I tried one of them after I was already 16 hours into my fast, and I weighed after, just before eating, and I registered a loss of two pounds from the weight at the end of the fast one day earlier. The next time I tried it, the following weekend, I had a loss of almost five pounds, each time eating one meal a day, but eating well and to satisfaction, with vodka and a diet mixer during the window, of course. Weekends are the golden spot, as I really can't work out or run faster during the week. I'm a school person, and I can't wait till 5 p.m. to work out. But the weekend is completely easier since I can sleep in and run earlier. All I'm saying is, if you do work out, Doing it fasted is like double the bang for the workout. 
It will blow your plateau into oblivion. All right. Well, thank you, Karen, for your email. I do want to point out that it's unlikely she, it was two pounds of fat that she lost, for example, like in one day from the workout. It was probably a combination of fat and water and lots of things like that. But it's definitely very, very true that A, you can do fasted exercise and they actually work together really well. And that, as Karen said, it's great for plateaus and it's great for really just tapping into fat burning so do you have any thoughts, Jen? Yeah, I think I think that was a great point that you made. And so much of plateaus are just, they're mental, you know, because people worry when they don't see the scale move. And so, you know, we've talked before about how weight is, is so much related to water balance. So um, as you're losing fat, you may be retaining water at the same time. So it looks like you're not losing weight when really you are. It's continuing at the same pace. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have that whoosh and you lose a lot at once. And it's just something psychological. It affects you mentally in a negative way to see that weight stay the same when you're, you know, keeping on track, but your weight doesn't change. And then just seeing that boom, you know, even though intellectually we know you're not losing two pounds of fat or five pounds of fat from one way into the next, it just kind of gets your, your momentum going again and you feel like you're in a positive place and you're ready to to stay on track you know people react badly to to the mental feeling of being on a plateau so anything that gets that scale moving again can just get you over that that mental hump because really that's the thing you know somebody could be losing clothing sizes and getting smaller and getting compliments but the scale hasn't moved and they're like why isn't this working and we're like, well, it is working. <laughs> you're losing size. You're getting smaller or whatever. But that scale just plays with us, plays with our emotions and can put us in a bad place. Yeah, it really does. Hearing you talk about the, um, like losing the fat and everything, it actually reminds me to go back to that book that I talked about in the beginning, The Toxin Solution. And then other listener questions we've had about like detox symptoms and such. He did say that when you lose the weight, and the fat that we do store our toxins and fat. And so you can actually feel worse before you feel better from weight loss. I just want to point that out because that made me think of that. Right. Because your body releases what it's been storing in those fat cells and it's not just fat. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move on to Claire. And her subject is weight of fat, which seems like a good segue. She says, hi, Jen and Melanie. Thank you for the time and energy you've put into the podcast. I started IF after the new year and have lost seven pounds and feel so much better. The biggest change has been that I no longer get headaches three to five days a week as I have for my entire life. IF is amazing just for that. Honestly, if I think about how nice it is not to get headaches anymore, I literally tear up from relief and joy. Your wisdom and supporting words have been a huge help on my journey so far. Two, one counterpoint to the folks who, quote, gain weight quickly is that human fat is 3,500 calories per pound. There's just no way anyone can eat that much too much in a day or two. Thanks and keep up the great work. Yes, I think that's a lovely, <laughs> lovely point to keep in mind what we were just talking about. I actually put this right here because I figured we'd be talking about about that with the fat. Yeah, you'd have to eat you'd have to eat a lot to gain that much. And you'd also have to um 
you'd have to like burn a lot to lose that much. I'm not anti-exercise. I think increasingly more and more I'm thinking movement is so key and so important, but that is a reason that it, it can be very difficult to burn, for example, a pound of fat on the treadmill. Right. It's true. Oh, I have a funny story about weight. This is back when I when I was weighing, um, and I had just hit my goal. This was like right after I had hit my goal weight in 2015. Um, I went on a girls' trip for the weekend, and so I'd been you know intermittent fasting and sticking to my window. And then on the girls' trip, um, I got there on Friday, and we ate and drank and <laughs> fully experienced all the the joys one might have on all a, the things, all the things. And I weighed myself before I left on Friday, and then I weighed myself Monday morning when I got home, and I would like you to just guess how much weight I, quote, gained from Friday morning to Monday morning. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it was like four days? Well, no. I mean, it was um, Friday morning I fasted till I got there, you know, so I probably didn't open my window till afternoon on Friday, but then my window was open, you know, Saturday, Sunday. So I had – it was really just two days plus Friday night. I don't know. Ten pounds. It was nine. So oh <laughs> I, I gained nine pounds on the scale from Friday to Monday. Now, of course, did I? Did I gain nine pounds of fat? No. <laughs> it was the weight of the food. We ate in restaurants. We drank. My body was retaining so much water. So I had the weight of the food plus the weight of the water that your body uses to process the extra food because your body uses a lot of water in digestion. And I'm sure, you know, the sodium and from all the restaurant food. And um, I would like you to also guess how long it took me to, quote, lose those nine pounds. Was it the same amount of time that it took for you to gain it? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So by the next weekend, I was, you know, back down and even a little below where I had been that Friday before. So people people tend to get really, you know, worried about these fluctuations like, oh, my gosh, intermittent fasting. You know, the minute I go off of it, I gain weight like crazy. And it's really not that at all. It's because you have more food in your system and water that goes with it. And so it looked like I had gained nine pounds, and of course I didn't. So the minute I got back on track, it poof, it, it you know, went away, and then I was right back to my normal weight. You know, yeah, your pants might feel tight for a couple of days because you've got all that food inside your digestive tract, but we don't lose and gain weight that quickly. It's, it's something else going on. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I definitely didn't have like 35,000 calories of food or something like that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) All right. Shall we jump into the actual questions for today? Yes. So our first question comes from Stasia, and the subject is mid-fast hunger. And Stasia says, hey, guys, thanks for the podcast. It's great. To my question, I wake up not hungry and I end up feeling fine near the end of my fast. I've been doing a daily 19.5 for several weeks now, but there are one to two hours in the middle of it in which I feel like I am starving. I'm able to wait by keeping busy, but it's not easy at all. Is this normal? Shouldn't I have transitioned by now? Also, black coffee helps, but not a lot. Thoughts? Best, Stasia. Oh, black coffee. I will just do a quick plug for listeners. 
If you have any questions, if you're a new listener to the podcast, for, welcome. <laughs> and um, if you have any questions about black coffee, Jen and I recently did two very long, in-depth episodes all about coffee. So that those were episodes 45 and 46. So definitely check those out if you have any coffee questions. Absolutely. But um, <laughs> back to Stasia's question. What what do you think, Jen? Well, I think the key is Stasia says she's been doing this for several weeks. And of course, several could mean three or four. It's hard to know. Really, though we say the average adjustment period might be three weeks, there are definitely people that take a little bit longer to push through to get to really good fat burning. So that that could be it. You know, some people adapt really quickly and some people need more like six weeks, which I know people don't want to hear that, but <laughs> some people do take a little bit longer. So it could be that, um, or it could just be her pattern. You know, our bodies do give us hunger signals even during the fast. And so, you know, we talk about not being hungry, but I still have waves of hunger during the day that come and go and they pass quickly. Now it does say she, she sounds like they're not passing quickly. So Hopefully over time, she'll find that it does get easier and easier. But if not, you know, you might find sparkling water does a good job of helping with that. It really does for me. You know, if I'm having a day where my stomach growls a little more than normal, I'll pull out the San Pellegrino or the um, the LaCroix unflavored sparkling water. And I find that really those bubbles help a lot for me. So hopefully this is just part of the, the transition period. But um you're right. Most people do find that by several weeks in, they're no longer having this problem. So stick with it. Try some sparkling water and see if, if it doesn't get better over time. What do you think, Melanie? What you said about hunger coming and like still experiencing hunger. It is true that, for example, like the hunger hormone, ghrelin, is that how you say it? I always say ghrelin. For example, that hunger hormone, it makes you feel hungry. It works on a circadian rhythm, so it's a, it's a possibility that your hunger hormones have just, they're just in this rhythm. My first thought, though, was that it likely involves switching from, you know, more of the glucose burning in the beginning of the day to more of the fat burning actually as um, Stasia enters the fasted state, and so that could also depend on what you're having in your eating window. So, I mean, if she's having, you know, lots of carbs in her eating window, it's possible that just in her pattern, she's having lots of carbs. So she's waking up and running more on the glucose and then switching over to more fat burning longer into the fast compared to, for example, if she was eating like a lower carb diet, she might not experience that as much. I mean, that's very individual and that's not the case for everybody, but for some people, but that my first thought was just that it was switching. It was like the transition from glucose to fat. Yeah. And as people get more into the intermittent fasting lifestyle and their bodies become more metabolically flexible and able to switch back and forth, that transition should not take as long every day. Like your body just boom, does it. But at first, I mean, you know, several weeks in your body is still learning how to really do it. Okie dokie. All right, so we have a question from Rebecca, and this is about wearable weights. And Rebecca says, hi, I love the IF lifestyle and the podcast. 
Melanie, can you provide some more color on wearable weights? I tried Googling and found very little info. In fact, most articles only talk about the risks of wearing them. How long ago did you start using them and what got you started? Do you do it for muscle building, extra calorie burn, or other reasons? How many hours a day do you wear them? Do you just use ankle and wrist or a vest as well? Have you used the same size or worked up to heavier weights? A few weeks ago, I picked up a set of one and a half pound ankle weights that I wear for an hour in the morning and a couple of hours at night. I like that they forced me to put in a little more effort when going up the stairs or chasing after my kids, but I'd be interested in some more concrete data since I know that the two of you are data junkies too. Also, I have noticed a little lower back pain on occasion wearing them and wondering if this is an issue you have had. Sincerely, Becca. And we also have a question from Jessica that relates to this. So I'm going to read. She actually has two questions. I'm going to read the first part now and then go into the second part. And she says, hi, Jen and Melanie. Thank you both for an amazing podcast. Your show is such a great resource for intermittent fasting and many other topics. The discussions are always so interesting. I have two questions for Melanie. And the first is, what is the heaviness of the wearable weights that you use? I checked out the Amazon link and there are one or two pound options. And then we'll, we'll pick back up with her other question after you talk about the weights. All right. Well, thank you, Rebecca and Jessica, for your questions. So wearable weights. Okay. So I'll start with Rebecca. J Jen, do you ever wear the wearable weights? I ever? do. I do not. No. no. Mm -mm. Just, just me. Just you. And 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 all the the listeners who've started doing <laughs> it as well. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to go through Re Rebecca's questions. So how long ago did I start using them, and when did I get started? It was a while ago. It was probably about five years ago. And I actually don't even remember when I actually decided to start. So she said, did I do it for muscle building, extra calorie burning, or other reasons? So I initially did it, I think, to burn extra calories because I was – I'm always – um researching the science of fat burning. And I'm always trying to hack my way into doing more with less, not with less effort, but just ways to hack body composition and everything. I, I'm not a big gym goer, so I'm always trying to look for hacks for that. And so I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, wear these weights during the day and then it'll be like an extra workout without me even meaning to. And it really turned out to be <laughs> just that. And it became so addictive because my body in a way expects itself to be heavier, if that makes sense. And so when I don't wear them, I feel like I'm like I'm lacking something. Now it's mostly for muscle maintenance, but I really feel like it's made a certain set point for my muscles I feel like it maintains a better muscle composition without me having to actively try to maintain that. I actually found a really interesting study that I, I don't have right in front of me. I can't remember where it was, but I'm just going to go from memory. They did something with, with mice and weighted, or rats, one of those, and weighted, weighted them down. And it lowered their set point. You saying set point made me think of that, Melanie, because it... Their bodies want, you know, our bodies want to maintain a certain, you know, whatever our body thinks is the right weight. But by 
it had to do with gravity and the way that it pulls down on our bodies as we're moving through the day or the rats, I guess. And because of the fact that they were wearing these weights, their brain sensed that they were heavier than they were. And so they lost body weight from it. So it, it was more than just the fact that they were working out, quote, you know, these little weighted weighted rats <laughs> little, but, little mice working the out whole, with little weights the whole the whole point of it was that it tricked the brain into thinking they were heavier and that they needed to lose weight and so it lowered their body's set point so that was just something we actually talked about this in the facebook group a couple months ago and one of our members was doing an experiment with it yeah i think you actually mentioned it on a maybe pre- a previous podcast and ever because ever since you mentioned it i started thinking about it and i was and I realized that it makes perfect sense. If you're wearing the weights for extended periods of time, especially every day, which I have a tendency to do, unless I'm, you know, out and about. But I pretty much always wear them when I'm at my apartment. It makes complete sense that my brain would sort of think that I weighed more and yeah. would need. It's part of the feedback that goes on in, in your your body of like as it senses, you know, what's going on. It's this weight. It senses the amount of weight you have. And so our bodies do not want to be overweight. And I mean, I know that's hard to for us to wrap our minds around because of the obesity epidemic and so many people that are overweight, but our, our bodies don't want to be overweight. You know, it doesn't have an advantage. Of course, you're not going to die in a famine, but you also want to be able to outrun the tiger. So... And I actually found some studies as well, but I'll, I'll finish answering her questions first. So how many hours a day do I wear them? I pretty much just wear them when I'm at – actually, that's not true. I was going to say I just wear them in my apartment, but I actually wear them on errands and everything as well. Since my job, I'm a, um, an artist, according to taxes. <laughs> so I don't have a typical desk job or day job. So I, I wear them – Pretty much all throughout the day, unless I'm going, I mean, except for when I'm going out and about. So it varies, but it is, it is a good substantial amount. She says, do I wear ankle, wrist, or a vest? I used to wear ankle, wrist, and a vest. It was hardcore. (laughs) Now I pretty much just do mostly just ankles and then sometimes Sorry, mostly just wrists and then sometimes the ankles. She says, have you used the same size or worked up to heavier weights? Actually, it's the other way around. When I first started, I did heavier ones and now I do lighter ones. Now I do one pound weights on my wrists and ankles. I used to do like, I think like the three pound ones on my on my ankles. But um, I have a lot of them, so I sometimes I'll double them up. So Jessica asked about the heaviness, so I just answered that, and she she said, yeah, she said on the Amazon link that there are one or two pound options, so I use the one pound options, but I actually get them at like Marshalls or Ross or TJ Maxx, so I recommend that, and I did some research, and I actually found studies on wearable weights. I didn't think there would be any, but there are, <laughs> so found one called ankle and wrist weights, their effect on physiological responses during treadmill running. So that was on eight men and it had them exercising at their quote, most comfortable speeds. So it let them pick whatever speed they wanted. 
and it found that wearing the weights increased their energy expenditure, meaning they burn more calories, and it increased their heart rate. It found that the ankle weights were the most effective. It did find that when they put on heavier weights, that it increased their perceived rate of exertion, which can sort of cancel it out because it did make them feel like they were having to do more effort. But their conclusion was that wearing the weights could result in greater cardiovascular fitness and weight loss. And I found another one, another study, and this one was actually on women and ankle weights. And it also let them pick their own speed to pick the speed that they thought would be best if they wanted to improve their cardio fitness and their weight loss. It found that similar to the prior study that the ankle weights led to a decrease in the speed that they personally selected, but at the same time, the ankle weights did result in them having an overall increase in their energy expenditure. Conclusion of that study, and I'll just read it, was that the increase in energy expenditure could be of physiological significance if running with ankle weights was performed on a regular basis at a fixed distance. Hi friends, an incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. 
It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted. And it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit but sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. And then lastly, I found one more study on both men and women, also on treadmill running. And it was actually a pretty recent study, and it found that wearing the weights increased energy expenditure, so like the other studies, made them burn more calories. But it found, unlike the other studies, that the increased calorie burning occurred without an increased um, perceived exertion. So basically, the people will burn more calories without feeling like they were burning more calories, which is the reason (laughs) that I've been advocating wearing the weights and so that the result of that study was that physical ex oh and I like this because this sounds like me that physical activity associated with daily living <laughs> could be enhanced through the wearing of weights that can be worn under clothing without increasing perceptions of effort. So that basically is exactly my thesis about the weights that you can wear them and do your daily life and burn more calories and not even feel like you're burning more calories. Yep. I think that's, that's a great, a great way of looking at it. All right. So we have a little bit more from Jessica, her second question, and this is also tailored just for Melanie. And it says, I know that you believe strongly in the benefits of fish and meat, but if you were to approach paleo as a vegetarian, what might a typical meal look like? I'd like to refine my food intake to be overall less processed and more leaning towards paleo, but I have been vegetarian for nearly 30 years, so I'm not willing to consume meat or fish. I'm sensitive to eggs as well, so I consume them on a very limited basis. Thank you. So I'll do a quick plug. If you can check out my book, What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting and Wine, that's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I do go into this in great detail because Jessica is talking about leaning towards paleo. So I do provide an overall paleo template. And then I go into, if you're vegetarian, which you completely can be, I do go into everything that you might want to address and how to make that work for you. So if you do want to do vegetarian and make sure that you get all of your adequate nutrients, I mean, I would recommend relying, Jen and I will differ a little bit here, but I would recommend foregoing grains and relying on starchy uh, root vegetables, vegetables in general, fruits, and then also you can do lots of healthy fats. So you can do nuts and seeds and coconut oil and all of the things. And as far as nutrients that you might be lacking, you want to get your DHA and EPA, 
which are omega-3s that are very, very key for health. And most people are pretty inefficient at converting the the natural form of omega-3s found in plants into the form that our body needs. So I rec- would recommend supplementing with like a um, an algae-based supplement. You can do that for your omega-3s. I know you're sensitive to eggs, which the eggs are a really wonderful source of a lot of vital fat-soluble vitamins. But if you can't do eggs, then you want to make sure that you're getting those fat-soluble vitamins A, D, and K. So I would really recommend just making sure, like I said, the, um, the algae supplement and then focusing on healthy fats as well. I don't know what your, your background is for being vegetarian. So if it's an ethical reason, you might can validate consuming, for example, like shellfish because they don't have a, a central nervous system like normal fish. So if there's any way you can do that for ethical reasons, those are very, very high in nutrients. So that's a nice way to go. Those also have B vitamins, which B vitamin B12 is something that you need to look for as a vegetarian. So you might need to supplement B12 if you're not getting that in your diet. What are your thoughts, Jen? Well, you're the one that has the the paleo advice because <laughs> you you're you're the one that knows what the the rules are of what counts as paleo and what doesn't. So, um, basically, I think you probably handled it well. Of course, you know I eat all foods and I eat grains and I eat <laughs> all the foods. So. Um, my advice is not going to be paleo. <laughs> you can leave it at that. Yeah. I will say, Jessica, that you can also choose to go either a higher fat intake or a lower fat intake. That will affect if you're doing more, for example, like fruits and starchy carbs versus more healthy fats. But you can you can definitely make it work for you. So y'all don't eat like beans, right? No. So legumes are – they're in the maybe – the maybe section, but in general, no, because they tend to be higher in um, anti-nutrients. Yeah, see, I would call them a superfood, and I would say eat beans. <laughs> but if you're trying to be paleo, that would be, you know, I would say add the beans, add the grains. Like green beans and green peas are more accepted. But you can also do... For example, like white rice is a potential, even increasingly more and more white potatoes if you don't have a sensitivity to nightshades. So I'd really recommend getting my book because there's a long section on vegetarian paleo. Yep, I knew you'd be the one to answer that. Because I'm just like, eat all the foods, eat the foods that make you feel good, whatever they are. (laughs) And don't define it, just eat the foods you love. But, you know, if you want to be, quote, paleo, then, yeah, Melanie's book is your resource for that. I mean, and I still, I just, I do want to say that with paleo, when people fall into it, that they do end up eating foods that they really love. And I do personally believe that the benefits of not taking in the grains, even if you don't feel like it's affecting you, I believe there'll be great benefits in the long run just from the research I've done on how grains can potentially affect the gut. Yeah, and I've, I've, uh, the research I've done has led me the opposite because <laughs> when I've researched for the blue zones and the, the people who live the longest, they always have these foods in their diet. So 
we'll just always agree to disagree with this because I think that those are the cornerstone of longevity and a healthy diet for all of us, unless you have got issues that mean you can't tolerate them. And of course, then you would have to work on those issues. And then also the way we process grains today versus like traditionally processed grains versus modern grain. There, there's also that whole we, we don't have to go into it, but there's also that whole yeah debate. Definitely. I mean, we, we definitely know that we've changed our foods. You know, I think we all agree with that. Modern agriculture practices have definitely changed them. All right. So to end things, we have three questions that all go together. So the first question comes from Max. The subject is, is IF appropriate for a teenager? And Max says... Hello, I recently started listening to the podcast and I really enjoy it, so thank you for that. I'm 16 and I have a little bit of belly fat I'd rather not have. I'm fairly active. I play around four hours of basketball a week and do lots of walking to and from school and around the campus. I've started IF, fasting from 9 o'clock p.m. to 1 o'clock p.m., meaning I skip breakfast and morning tea and have lunch, probably an afternoon snack and dinner, as well as possibly a small biscuit or something for dessert. I'm guessing Max is from England. (laughs) As a teenager who is growing a lot and going through puberty, would this be healthy? I've also done some things like cutting out all soft drinks and just drinking water and trying to cut out as much junk food as possible. This can be difficult considering I have a mall near my school and most people go there after school to socialize, which he spelled in the the British way. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. Love the podcast and hope you can get around to answering the question. And then we have a question from Janine. The subject is question about teens. And Janine says, is IF safe for teens? My daughter is a healthy weight, but gets sick a lot, is fatigued, has acne and allergies. Would IF help her? Thanks. And then the last question is from Angela, and the subject is, again, fasting and teens. And Angela says, should teens do intermittent fasting? Have there been any studies on teenage boys, fasting, and growth hormone release? Thank you. All right, Jen. Okay. I'm going to let you handle this Absolutely. And this is such a sticky subject, and it comes up all the time in the Facebook support groups. And I'm going to start off by saying that when when we are growing – or when teenagers are growing, when children are growing, the last thing we want to do is put them on a restrictive plan, like a like a specific intermittent fasting protocol. And I say this because all of the physicians who promote intermittent fasting agree on this. They all say the exact same thing. And so I always feel like personally, I am not a trained medical doctor. So I feel like it would be irresponsible of me to ever give a recommendation that goes against something that a medical doctor who's been to med school and who loves intermittent fasting would say. Because I figure if if there was a loophole that made this, you know, safe for teens, these doctors would, would tell you because they are pro-intermittent fasting. But I think the key takeaway is while we are, are you know, going through puberty and growing and our body is, is building itself up, You do not want to do a structured, formal, intermittent fasting plan. Now, that being said, a lot of teenagers have a different kind of eating pattern 
than um, than normal. You know, the the teenager has a different circadian rhythm, which is fascinating. You know, they they want to sleep really late and they want to stay up really late. So, I watched my children when they were teens. You know, right now they're eighteen and nineteen. So, when they were still living at home and they were in high school. They would wake up and they would not be hungry for breakfast until way later in the day. So they, quote, skipped breakfast, but it wasn't because they were doing a structured intermittent fasting plan. I never forced them to eat breakfast. I never said, you must eat before you leave the house. I let their natural hunger cues take over and and decide when they were eating. So... They might skip breakfast, but not because they were doing intermittent fasting. And they both maintained a very healthy weight, and they ate when they were hungry. And I offered food. We had food in the house. They made their own choices about when they ate and what they ate. And I really do think that that helped a lot. You know, I never force-fed them breakfast, but I also never, you know, encouraged them to skip a meal either. Um, I think, Max, you're on the right track by cutting out snacks and junk food because that is not something that is going to help your body grow and develop. But I would, instead of like doing a formal intermittent fasting plan, I would work on, you know, waiting till you're hungry and then eating according to your appetite. Instead of saying, I can't eat because it's not 1 p.m., say, I'm not hungry yet. And when I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. And then you need to focus on eating nutritious foods because um, a lot of the overeating that we do is because our bodies are looking for nutrients. And so we're giving our bodies these processed foods and this junk food, and it's going to keep driving the hunger because your body is not sensing the nutrients that it needs. So if you focus on eating high quality, nutritious foods to hunger during the day, you'll find that your, your body should naturally, you know, it should help with your hunger and you won't, feel that constant urge to eat, eat, eat. Of course, you're a growing teen, so you will feel some hunger for that reason, in which case, honor it and definitely eat as your body is growing. Um, but but definitely, you're on the right track for foregoing the the junk food and avoiding the, um, the sodas and the sugary things like that. So just eat high-quality foods. Now, as far as Janine and her teenage daughter who gets sick a lot, fatigued, acne and allergies. Again, same advice that, that I just gave for Max. I would clean up the quality of the foods before I would try to do an intermittent fasting regimen. You know, I don't know how old Janine's daughter is. Um, and the same with, with Angela, you know, talking about should teens do intermittent fasting. Again, I think that it it matters whether you're going through puberty, puberty, whether you're still growing and developing. You know, my son who's 19 is, and my son who's 18, they're technically numerically teens, but, you know, they're adults, you know, in the sense of, um, you know, being over the age of 18. So it's really just one of those things. You know, we don't want to go against all medical doctor advice, and I don't think they're going to be doing any studies unless they're, you know, through Ramadan and just, you know, that type of religious fasting, they're not going to be doing any studies on growing teens and fasting because, you know, medical research would consider that to be unethical to, to experiment with, with growing teens. So don't put your teen on an intermittent fasting regimen. Do let your teen choose nutritious foods. Yes, you can cut down on snacking and no, you should not force your teen or child to eat just because it's mealtime. Let their hunger drive them. What do you think about all that, Melanie? I said a lot of stuff. I agree with everything you said. <laughs> I think you said it perfectly. 
I especially agree with what you said about Janine. I would definitely focus on what she's eating, like the food quality, rather than intermittent fasting per se. Yeah. And an interesting side note, my son um, came home from his first quarter at college and had put on weight. <laughs> and actually, both of my children put on weight. You know, that's very typical when you go off to college and now you're going to the dining hall and having all these foods you're not used to. But he came home and he weighed himself and he we had like this scale down in the, the pool house down in the back of the yard and I don't didn't even know we still had it, but he his weight was up. So he um he did intermittent fasting all over the Christmas break without mentioning that he was doing it and got back down to his normal weight. I mean he's eighteen, he goes to college, so you know, but he got back down to his normal weight. And I was so happy as a mom that my son was able to apply what I do in his life. I thought that was awesome. He told you at the end? (laughs) He told me at the end. He's like, yeah, I put on some weight. and Then I just did this. I just did intermittent fasting, and now it's gone. I was like, (laughs) I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Nice. (laughs) Just knowing that he's got the tools there. And really, I think it was more of a casual intermittent fasting. Like he just, instead of, you know, when he was at college and would get up and go eat breakfast with his friends, and now he's home and he's sleeping in like teenagers tend to do, even though he's 18, he still has that that pattern of sleeping late and staying up really late. And um, he just wouldn't eat till later. So I don't even know if he formally called it intermittent fasting while he was doing it, but he noticed he wasn't eating early like he had been at college. Yeah, that was something I was going to point out was I wouldn't do a structured intermittent fasting approach for teenagers, but for example, don't feel pressured to eat breakfast. Like um, if you don't, you know, if you don't want breakfast, I don't see, I see nothing wrong with skipping breakfast. Like I know that's actually something I might I would maybe change if I could go back to my high school days is I feel like I always ate breakfast because I felt like I had to eat breakfast and I wasn't even that hungry when I think I might have been better off just, you know, skipping breakfast and eating when I was hungry, eating intuitively. I think a lot of teens naturally, their bodies gravitate to just skipping breakfast. Like I said, their circadian rhythms are are flip-flopped to the point that um, they really don't get going until later in the day. And they really do stay up late, late, late. And it's natural for them to be like that. So forcing themselves to eat early in the day when it doesn't feel right is also not a good idea. So you don't want to like do a formal structured intermittent fasting plan, but you also don't want to make them eat, you know, breakfast just because it's breakfast time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It reminds me, so when I was in high school, we used to go every Wednesday. We had um, a country club that we would go to. I, I was in the South. And uh, I know they have country clubs everywhere, but I feel like that's a Southern, yeah. very Southern thing. And we'd always go get this huge buffet dinner on Wednesdays. And in preparation, I would admittedly not eat all day and then eat the huge, huge buffet on every Wednesday. It's just funny because that's basically not exactly how I eat now, but it was basically a one meal a day pattern. But I, but I always thought I was being so terrible. I was like, I'm, you know, 
not eating during the day, I'm sure I'm like killing my metabolism. Right. And it was coming from a calorie mindset because I was like, I need to, you know, save all my calories. But it's just ironic yeah. looking back. It is. It's just funny how many people say that they look back on a time of their life when they naturally ate this way and then they felt pressured into changing it to fit with societal norms. They're like, I look back at my teens and my early 20s and I ate like this naturally and then – you know, I felt like I had to start eating, you know, whatever. And and it's when people stop listening to their bodies that they start to have the trouble. It's, you know. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 48, that's where we will put show notes for this episode. So that's where we're going to put all the references, everything that we talked about, all of the notes. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and that's where we put links to everything that we like. So any of the books we talked about or anything like that, that will all be listed there. And then lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, and then you will get the episodes downloaded automatically every week. You won't even have to do anything. And um, we'd also love if you're in iTunes, if you'd like to write a brief review, that would be super helpful. And also we have a new intermittent fasting podcast Instagram account, so you can follow us there. We post motivational pictures and a lot of pictures of our meals mostly Jen's meals because she's better about documenting <laughs> and if I took pictures of my meals you guys would just be like what <laughs> um be like all of this like fish and cucumbers and pineapple yeah but Jen has very nicely plated meals yeah like, it's, she has very nicely like um presentation it's, it's <laughs> big it's like a part of my day we sit down at the dining room table and have a, a nice grown-up meal it's like every day is a celebration yes so you can follow that account that is it's if podcast so definitely follow us there yeah any final thoughts from you today jen no not at all i think it was a another great episode i think i say that every week but i enjoyed it yeah me too all right <laughs> well i'll see you next week all right bye-bye okay bye Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.